the Middle-earth of the Lord of the Rings Online is trapped in stasis. It's an odd thing because while the story progresses with your character and you follow the Fellowship on your tangential journey to the War of the Ring, the game world stays put for the rest of the gaming public to make their way. So the oddness doubles seasonally when Yuletide rolls in here in the primary world and the inhabitants of Middle-earth decide it's time to celebrate, but the landscape remains unchanged. No snow, no winter chill, just a few NPCs out there partying down in appreciation of the season. The same holds for other parts of the game world. Even though in the story's timeline it's February, Bree is still sunny and warm. Thus comes instancing. What cannot be done in the game world proper can in fact be done in separate instances of bits of Middle-earth existing outside of the overall public game world. Going back to Bree in wintertime in the skirmish instance Thievery and Mischief, we see a Bree town covered in snow and under attack from southern robbers. So it is with Winterhome. When the Yule bells ring and the first snows fall and wassailing and cider and figgy pudding come to mind, Winterhome opens its invisible doors to the public. It is a small town of men located in an isolated, snowy valley called Frostbluff. A retreat for festivity seekers from all over Eriador, a winter paradise. If skis were in Middle-earth, it would be the Aspen of Breeland. But Winterhome isn't a part of Middle-earth. It's a beautiful and interesting snow town made just for the Yule holiday season for Lotro. It's time to see just how well this holiday getaway fits in Middle-earth. This is Winterhome, and you are listening to Beneath Your Feet. Let's go ahead and clear the air for Winterhome. The geography doesn't make a bit of sense. It doesn't need to, really, but all the same, a snowy mountain valley somewhere in the Breelands filled with a rather large town and harsh weather just doesn't work. Why do I keep saying Breeland? Well, from the map of Winterhome in the game, a right-click zoom-out brings us to the map of Bree. The architecture is the same as Bree, the men bear names like their Breelander counterparts. But there are no mountains with large, snowsome valleys in the lands around Bree. The nearest range is the blue, and obviously that had no inhabitants of men. So I'm working on the supposition that this is meant to be somehow a new establishment by Breelanders to be a winter holiday somewhere at some point in the winter of 3018 of the Third Age. Like I said, this is really superfluous. To get to the place, your character jumps on a horse and is whisked off to a loading screen and then an enclosed valley. We're not meant to think of it as a place in Middle-earth, just a fun winter wonderland to be enjoyed. Once your horse has found the way to carry the sleigh through the white and drifting snow, you find yourself at the top of a ridge of the Valley of Frostbluff, just outside a stone town with dangling lights and its inhabitants and visitors frolicking with winter spirit. It's a wide and pristine place, necessarily picturesque. West and down the slope from town is the Mushroom Hut, whereby those most important treats, mushrooms of course, are pampered and kept warm enough to grow throughout the season. After all, what's a holiday feast without some fun guy? Clearly it's there for Winter Home's Hobbit guests. You'd think such a delicacy would attract the abominable snow beast from the woods next door, 
But they're all too busy dozing the cold weather away, lest travelers go and cheer their poor, gigantic, and frozen hearts up. For once, we don't have to kill the poor beasties. At the bottom of the valley is the frozen lake and guardhouse where the fanciful winter storms dwell. It's a nice touch, having personified the ice grims as wintry weather to be defeated. In the same way, on the northern slope of the valley in the Grumpwood are the grouchiest trees to be found played by a band of wood trolls. Of course, they give the best firewood, and so they must be chopped down with extreme prejudice. No Christmas cheer for you, nasty trees, just an old-timey yuletide beatdown. At the edge of the forest is Cluckland, of little relation to its sister town of Buckland in the Shire. Much like the mushrooms, this is an escape for pampered chickens to lay their eggs, which are collected for the gluttonous holiday makers back in town. Capping off the magical escape of Frostbluff is the snowball field and snowman area, complete with the makings for your very own snowman to hide inside only to burst out of and scare unsuspecting dwarves. Not really, but maybe next year. It is great fun, though, pelting your friends with digital snowballs. All of this holiday magic and wonderment is only a front, though, as we learn upon our return to Winterhome. The good cheer and well wishes hide the machinations of a corrupt mayor, unhappy workers, and a band of beggars in need of goodwill towards men. Winterhome is headed up by Mayor Winston Goodnaw. He's a hype man, entrepreneur, cheapskate, and overall money grubber. We find him in the town square of Winterhome, down the steps from the post of his lackey and enforcer, Guard Kember. More on that guy later. Our first impression of Winterhome is holiday feasting gone horribly wrong. There are tables dedicated solely to eating contests and strong drink, complete with hobbits passed out under the tables in puddles of their own slop. Garbage is everywhere for us to clean up, kegs need restocking, and beggars need running off. On the other side of town is where the workers hide, out of sight for the consuming masses, unhappy with their treatment, and even more unhappy with the rampant disdain for the poor beggars in need of a few coins. In the middle of it all, trying to bring some class and culture to this den of holiday reverie, is the Frost Bluff Theater. Going into the details of the theater could constitute its own episode. It's a play on the lore of Middle-earth, where we players get to participate as both actors and fruit-chucking attendees. The stories are cute and funny, and accurate to what most hobbits probably thought of Bilbo's former adventure, and the running commentary from Statdor and Waldo is delightful to Muppets fans everywhere. Back outside, though, things are getting grim. Here is where the rubber meets the road. In short, the mayor of Winterhome is taking advantage of his workers, and guests really, abusing the homeless, embezzling wages, and just being a total Grinch. After spending some time in the town and interacting with its townsfolk, we uncover this corruption and how the mayor is involved with southern ruffians, no doubt in league with one Sharky. The player must ultimately make a choice, help the man or help the people. Of course, all of this is a creation by the game makers. But does it measure up to what we know about Tolkien and the message of his work? In short, yes. If one thing is sure about interpreting Tolkien's work, which he would have hated, it's that much of his own attitude and worldview can be found in the wisdom and basic goodness of hobbits. Let's think about the scouring of the Shire. Lotho Sackville starts buying up land with the backing of a particular investor. Word starts to spread around the Shire, and remarks come up about such greed being unnatural. A hobbit needs only a bit of land, good food, friends, and work, just a bit of work, to be happy. The Shire itself has no direct ruler, as they await a king most had long forgotten, 
and the basic tenets of behavior in life are found deep in the heart of every hobbit. In short, there's no real need for a ruler. Even the positions of Thane and Mare are largely ceremonial and their power is rarely exercised, if it is at all. Anyway, as things go from bad to worse in the Shire, with the chief making trouble, big folks step in and just start taking. The land and means of hobbits is gobbled up for use by the big men, and those as put in the work are left with very little. This is all against how Tolkien probably felt about the essence of land and community and people, and yet it is precisely what we see happening in Winterhome. It is for the player to see things made right, or to keep the system as it stands. There are overtones of things like workers' rights and labor and such, but at the heart of it all is fairness, greed lording over what is owed to honest men working an honest job. So, for its lovely setting and story of redemption and holiday cheer, and fairness and goodwill to men and hobbits, Winterhome is forgivable in its invention, as its spirit belongs in Middle-earth. This has been Episode 9 of the Beneath Your Feet Podcast. Be sure to get into Winterhome and gobble up all those holiday goodies before the festival ends on January 30th. I want to invite you to check out the blog at www.lotrobeneathyourfeet.com. From there, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, follow me on Facebook or Google+, and get the RSS feed for the podcast. Now, I've not been announcing new episodes much ahead of time of late, but I aim to get back on track as I line up guests and get more of a schedule going with the new year. Bear with me. Once you do hear about those new episodes, be sure to send all of your screenshots, hidden places, and stories to shipwreck at lotrobeneathyourfeet.com. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Shipwreck, and we'll see you next time on Beneath Your Feet. <laughs>